Good evening, friend. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How was your weekend? Uh, weekend, good. Yes, Christmas time. <laughs> right, I think. It, did you guys get some snow down there? Uh, we did yesterday. Uh, got it was pretty great. I was explaining that that it's a it, it did the perfect way to snow. It it all dumped it within a matter of like two to three hours. It dumped mm. about four inches, I guess. Mm. And uh, but it it did it. It's it's like you know perfect thing where it was like 33, 32, 31 degrees. So it was hitting and sticking and nice and heavy. But the roads weren't hard to clear. And if you put mm. any kind of salter things down like they put on roads, it totally works okay uh but i was driving out in it in my mustang and it, i had to quickly turn around because it is not good for my car at all mm. it's difficult to get through i kind of accept it but yeah is uh snow i'm assuming you guys had a lot more snow up there and you're probably getting more snow right now right um we've gotten some we got some last night um my echo device tells me that is 30 degrees so we could be getting more, but there wasn't a lot. I mean, just enough to cover the ground, basically. Well, it's been raining here since 5 o'clock, so it's like... Uh, so it's gone. Yeah, hopefully... Well, no, it's supposed to be raining all night long and it's turning into snow, so it's kind of snow rain. Mm, yeah, I, re I remember that happening a lot when it, yeah, there. it, it could be terrible tomorrow morning. And slush I'm and then sure. it freezes, yeah. yeah. I'm, re I'm really having a, a hope that, it, you know, school doesn't get delayed tomorrow. It's going to be... Mm. Uh, but yeah, the... The, the this weekend was Christmas family Christmas parties and stuff like that. So it's uh it was good good, good time. You know, the thing I've noticed is that around here and in general, there's not as many Christmas lights in neighborhoods that it was like when I grew up. Like it used to be mm. neighborhood competitions almost with everybody doing Christmas lights and right. We would go on. It was part of the holiday tradition to drive around the the town and look at all the neighborhoods that had lights and there was cars lining up to go to certain neighborhoods not anymore i mean if i were a conspiracy theorist mm -hmm. i i would and and not even conspiracy but like as culture has gotten more uh people like to say pluralistic but mm -hmm. more diverse let's say yeah um people aren't as uh as overt with their with their christmas observance I I know I, for me in my in my own personal life it's you know been as I've gotten older and really from about like my mid 20s I think when I got to be like 24 25 um it's still single living on my own I was like there's no point in me like decorating like buying a tree or anything like that if nobody's going to see it like I'm not having friends over or anything so <laughs> Uh, this is pointless. But like when I was in college, I would do stuff like put wrapping paper over my dorm room door and yeah, and cool. uh, and stuff like that. But yeah, when there was nobody to see it, I'm like, what's the point? So I've gotten less. Uh, sure. uh, well, the, I, 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 I agree with that, too. And I think and this may be controversial, at least for this show uh, level, is that I, like I still make a very good point of saying Merry Christmas to everybody as I go to the grocery store or do things like that all the time. And, and, and that's okay. I think it's the same thing. I I'm a big fan of everyone have, you know, expressing their, their own beliefs or thoughts or holiday spirit, the way that they feel it and not being judged that way. I sure. know my, my daughter's school is of the mentality of being a 
pure Bloomington school that like we should have nothing. Like they don't have any holidays. They don't do Valentine's Day even. They don't mm. do anything so that they don't, you know, tread on anyone's toes type thing. Yeah. No and I, I mean, there's a, there's a difference between, there's a big difference between an individual and an organization, right? Like organizations have to be more careful. I know we're, at least I am, I try to be pretty careful about what I say on the show because I don't want to, you know, oh, sure. it's not my intention to hurt anybody. And, you know, I've had, I've had conflicts like about that with, with people I, I knew in Bloomington where I'm like, man, I'm, you know, I'm wishing you it's positive, well-wishing thought. Why, why is the word, why is the yeah. word something that has to, that has to trigger you? But that's, you know, well, I would hope that I would hope that society, we don't turn into a bunch of people who avoid things so that we don't have conflict instead of learning how to live with the reality that humans do have conflict and always will have conflict it's yeah. not Star Trek. Even in Star Trek world, they have conflicts, right? <laughs> right. So that so, and that's the thing with the school too is that you know her, her other school that you went to previously did the complete opposite, where they celebrated everyone. There was always you know a thing so that you just and they would teach them and everyone would talk about it and it was interesting. But anyway, so someone uh, you know wishes me happy Ramadan or happy Hanukkah. I'm totally happy with that, right? And I give yeah. them a, a happy that whatever it might be back, you know, uh, it's just, you know, you're right. People just aren't as trying, they're trying to be more politically correct and it's sensitive by celebrating, which kind of makes the world more bland, uh, and less Christmas lights in the world. <laughs> now I, I did go to Terre Haute, uh, this weekend for that thing and they still very much do lights. So that town had a ton of lights as we drove through it. And the, the city even does, uh, their parks, they assign all the shelters and parks to organizations and they get to mm. decorate things. So every park has shelters that are fully decorated and it's pretty great. Nice. Yeah. I know that uh, in Bloomington downtown, they do decorate pretty nicely with the yeah. the city hall and all of that. Hey, you know, they have like an event for the, the, the lighting ceremony and it's always a, a big thing. And we went to it mm. this year and, and I really enjoyed it. And it was nice to, to, to go to a thing and there's, you know, a sea of people there and they have like a Santa Claus and they totally fine with Santa Claus coming out and ho ho hoing and everybody singing Christmas carols and then lighting the lights. I think that's a really neat thing. So yeah. community can build with, be built with diversity. What, uh, what Christmas movies have you, or holiday movies have you, uh, have you seen well that it's been a lot going year. on in our friend group with people watching tons of different movies i yeah our not our buddy it. pete has just been been burning through it i think he and his girlfriend are probably him by himself sometimes when she's working <laughs> he's going through all of the the netflix and whatever's on the streaming services you know lo looking particularly for ones that are quote-unquote bad right. uh which he enjoys the most, like the worst they are. I mean, I don't know. I think there's a there is a level. Sometimes, of it. sometimes level it's of like tolerance for for bad even. So. Yeah, we talk about uh, um, you know the Christmas Prince, where I'm like, this is not. This is too. Uh, um, it's it's too ridiculous to be to be genuine. Like they're they're making a they're making a joke here. <laughs> right, right, and, and I the way I hear of three, it was pretty much like that yeah. the, the the uh i so i have not been able to watch all um it is everyone it's because the holidays are busy for everyone but i think it's been yeah, kind of, of the, the, the same for me and when i find uh little bits of time i should 
indulge in the holiday spirit of stuff. And I have turned to things like watching Godzilla instead, which is, you know, <laughs> clearly me. Well, uh, I, I might have mentioned that uh, my parents and my youngest sister went to Idaho because my sister-in-law is expecting. Mm-hmm. Uh, they left Sunday, yesterday. And um, so my mom has been watching all those movies earlier. Like we have already seen, you know, she watches a bunch of the Hallmark stuff on her own, but you know, we've seen Christmas vacation and a Christmas story and mm-hmm. uh, a Christmas Carol. We, as usual, picked the 1999 uh, TV movie with uh, Patrick Stewart. That is really the best. Enjoy. Best one. Um, it has watching it again. It has some moments where I'm like, uh, this is a little, this is a little cheesy. Like this, they did uh, this in a little bit of a weird way. But watching uh, it as a kid, it's not terrible, right? Right, I don't know. Right. Kids have have different expectations these days. I've watched several things with with Sydney, and she's just her cartoons actually have storylines now, right? It's not mm. like the way we grew up with things. So they they watch a show, a normal show on TV, and it has way better, you know, cinema uh, CGI and you know cinema what am I, cinematography than. Mm. most shit movies we watched when we were growing up. So right. them watching some of these old shows, it looks way more cheesy and they notice it too. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. Uh, but so I, you're right. I, now that you say that I, I need to really make a point in this next week to sit down with Sid and watch things like Christmas vacation and a Christmas story. And, you know, I got to, I, I need to, it's too late. I know I, I did watch elf. So mm. there's that. I put that, that one on and that is, it's funny that that's a, becoming a uh christmas classic for most people and yeah that never was one for me so i've seen it a couple times but not not to the level of the ones i mentioned or we normally watch it's a wonderful life but that doesn't happen until christmas eve Mm -hmm. and i'm not sure yet whether we'll watch it 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 gets it gets kind of hard because i i enjoyed it so much in my early 20s yeah that i'm like i know it so well that i'm like uh I don't know if I can handle the emotional ride that is the last act of It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> oh, right, sure, yeah. Well, the the uh, that and that's one that's one of my favorite ones. I also like the old the old uh, um, what's the one with? Actually, I like the '90s one um, where Chris Kringle is in modern days and he has to prove and he goes in front of a court and Miracle oh, on Thirty Fourth Street. You mean Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street? Yeah. yeah. I, I like the '90s version of that one, and I liked the the old like the, '60s version too. The so. classic one is on uh, Disney Plus. Oh, nice! Yeah, it's it, they're both really good. I actually like them a whole lot. Um, and maybe that's one I'll I'll try to get her to watch this year because it's it's pretty mm. good. The um, uh, Elf Elf is good because um, I you know what's the guy's the main character, actor? What's his name? Will, Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. He is so hit or miss for me. It's so hit yeah. or miss. But in in that movie. Uh, John Favreau directed it, by the way. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. He uh, he is always good. He is always happy. He is always in character. Straightforward. There's no like little things. And the, it's written pretty straightforward. And it's all good. It's like this mm-hmm. is what a, a holiday thing is where it has a hopeful premise. And it just goes. <laughs> no one's terribly terrible. There's no right. killing puppies, you know. And it, it goes into even better. So it, it fits. So anyway, I got I to watch a couple uh, of speaking of Speaking of John Favreau, are you caught up on uh, Mandalorian? I believe so. 
Yes. Um, it's a. Uh, it's funny. We I know we talk about this a lot. I. Uh, I I'm, I'm mixed on the season. I'm not. I'm not mixed. I enjoy it. I'm enjoying mm-hmm. it for sure. But it's not what I expected. Um, it's not. If you go back and listen to our earlier comments of what we thought it was going to be and what it is, I don't think it's that. Yeah. So um, let's talk about episode five and the season in general. So I am going to hit the bell. So did you like episode five? I did when I watched it. And then uh, my brother, David, who's been on the show, um, messaged our, our group and was like, have you guys seen this one? It's my least favorite so far. And I'm like, really? Because as I do, I got on IMDb. Episode five had the second highest rating of the episodes. The highest was episode three, mm-hmm. where the, um, the rest of the Mandalorians come out of hiding and yep. help him escape. Um, and so then I thought about it some more. This is one of the episodes that I have only seen once. Mm-hmm. Um, the first couple I saw a couple times because I would watch them myself and then watch them again with my family here. Um, yeah, when I thought about it again, it was sort of like the episode was like two episodes. Like it, it started out as a heist or a train job and then turned into like a haunted house psychological thriller quickly at the end there. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of strange. Um, I don't know. Is this the first time that we've had a real, uh, Twi'lek character? Quote unquote so. real. Yeah. On the, I think so. On the, the Mandalorian. I can't, That's, unless, they, unless um, they might've in passing shown one somewhere, but I didn't. Right. Like I assume there were some in the like animated series or something. Yeah, maybe. Um, but, uh, that actress is from Harry Potter. Um, she oh, plays Tonks. Tonks. Yeah. yeah. Nymphadora Tonks. Yeah. She was interesting, but annoying. I couldn't quite figure out what I thought kind about of, that character. Yeah. Kind of one note, like a, like a, like a Harley Quinn with no, with no depth to the with character. No I mean, depth. it's yeah. not a lot of time to develop anything, but like, I mean, the, some of the other characters we've seen, like, Carl, I mean, Carl Weathers was in several episodes, but, um, like we got a little bit more, like even the, um, the shock trooper, like we got some, you know, they had some scenes, some, and of course there's a big, there was a big cast in this episode. So that's kind of hard to, uh, um, you know, hard to squeeze all that in the short runtime of this show. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like that I like that they're experimenting, you know. That's a thing that you know, we associate a lot with uh with Netflix, but um it's cool that they're that they're doing it here trying to trying to figure out. I mean, I think if I mean, I assume they'll get picked up for a second season. Oh, they already have. They're already filming it now. They'll have to I think they'll have to settle that down. Um yeah, I, I think so. I not. think totally think so too. I, it's, I mean, you can do you can do an anthology show, you know, or a you know episodic show, but it's really hard to to pull off long term unless it's you know fully anthology like uh, um, uh, Twilight Zone or maybe 
uh, the Fargo series, though that's the seasons are are standalone, not the not the episodes themselves. Yeah, the um, I, I need to look up and see who is writing and directing these. If it's if it's mm. the same people or um, well, I guess I can see that right here. It it looks to be written by. The first five are written, or sorry, first four are written by John Favreau, mm-hmm. and then from then on out, the next two or three, four, five, and six are written by just different people. Yeah. Uh, or sorry, I take that back. It's number five and six are written by different people, and directed by different people, and the directors are different people every time. Yeah. So that's that's something that I'm not sure. I mean, they probably want to get a hold on. I mean, it's it's really weird here because we all kind of know that their Star Wars feels aimless and that they're, at least since Disney's bought them, mm-hmm. and that's kind of a big picture problem. And I think a lot of people are maybe putting that at Kathleen Kennedy's feet. But sure. the, it's just we there's not a lot of things that are guiding this ship here. And... While John Favreau seems to be kind of a guiding thing, it feels like his guiding for the Mandalorian is like just have fun with this character in this world, which is fun. That's why I'm not don't want to knock this series because it's each episode is fine in its own, but it's just like I don't need any context for any of it really. Um, so <laughs> I, I realized we're talking about episode six oh, sorry, when sorry. I keep saying episode five. Uh, it's no longer the second highest uh episode three is a 9.2 this one's just an 8.7 it's tied with the first uh episode yeah we, so, we didn't really talk with about chapter five either because i hadn't watched that at the no you hadn't seen it when we talked what did you what did you think of that one i i, I like five better than six okay and and probably because um it was a very small cast just mainly two mm-hmm. people and everything that wasn't that small cast or actually three. Cause the third one was somebody I really love, which is Ming Na Wen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agent Ming. May. Yeah. Ex- Agent May. Exactly. So, I mean, she was only in it for a short bit, which feels a little spoiled, but there could be something at the end there. Uh, but besides that, those two to three cast members, the rest of it was the first time that was super heavy star Wars. Like they landed on in most Isley space station they yeah, it was real. Camp. It was real fan servicey, right? And but it it wasn't kind of overt about it. Like they don't say, "Hey, we're going to most Eisley's on Tatooine, mm-hmm. the wretched hive of scum and villainy." They didn't say that. What they said was like, "Oh, we got to land." And then in the background, you hear the the ship. Uh, I don't know, manager guys say like, "You know, you're cleared for most Eisley's." Doc four, you know, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. if you are a Star Wars fan, you know where they're at, right? You know, and then when you see the the the, the we'll fire off shot where it's his ships pulling in, that's the same shot that they show when Luke and Obi Wan in the same position. I'm like, yeah. again, fan servicey. If you're a fan, you don't need to have it, but it was kind of cool, right? You know, they 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 scan and see where you can know. Oh, that's where Han and Chewie was. That's where you, where Han shot Greedo, and you know, the, the shot on the wall is still there and things like that. Mm. So, which is, it's all cool. Right. Like that was kind of neat, you know? Uh, so I, I enjoyed that one enough. Um, I don't know. They showed a figure at the end. 
a mysterious maybe figure. Bo- maybe Boba Fett. People right. Some said. people are saying Boba Fett, which is kind of cool, but you know, I don't know. Uh, so the last two are going to be um, written by John Favreau, and the last one is directed by. I always get his name wrong. Taika Watiti. He's the guy that I did. Uh, I think it's Taiko. Ta- Taiko. Oh, it's it's Taika. Taika. Yeah. He Taika's so probably he, closest. Right. He is the guy that directed um, Thor Ragnarok. I think he might have written it too, but I can't remember. Uh, hmm. So he he's you know a big director in the Marvel stuff, but looks like Favreau is like he wrote the beginning and he's going to write the ending for this season. So he's going to you know let the middle kind of float. Um, mm-hmm. So so we'll see. I mean, it's it's. I will say that this chapter six felt like the closest to a Doctor Who episode. Yeah, yeah, it had strong Doctor Who vibes. Yeah, like the whole sets looked very cheesy. The robots <laughs> looked very cheesy. You know, right. it was like the, I almost when they showed those black floating things, I'm like, oh, they got Daleks on there. You know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so and then the characters. I can see why David would say this. Like the characters were, they didn't come in like Carl Weathers. He walks in and uh, the Mandalorian walks in and he kind of meets this gruffy kind of bounty hunter guy in the corner and they have a conversation in this episode. They're like, Hey, here's your old girlfriend. Come and say three lines that describe your character in fully (laughs) here over here is our muscle. And he is tougher than he looks. Growl, growl, growl! Look at you, pick you up, threaten you. You know, it's like, you're, and then here's you're the talking next about you're talking about Hellboy. Hellboy, yeah. I mean, it's it was so overt and blatant that the the writer like some of the some of the closest to being interesting was the the Bill Burr character, um, b- but still was very clearly gonna betray him. Clearly, right? I mean, it just felt yeah. The only the only thing that was seen on that one that was pretty good was when they're kind of threatening to take his mask off and it was a little tense scene there. Yeah, now that we, thanks to episode four, we know what a big deal that is. Right. Um, yeah. So I think it's even if it goes on just how it is now, it'll be a fine season. I, I think that uh, it would, would wrap up with, you know, again, if they're just these kind of episodes that with being like, oh, we got a, a good Star Wars television show that's yeah. nothing more or nothing less. Right. Um, it's not it's not trying to be ambitious, right? <laughs> right, right. And unless uh, episode seven and eight continues the ambitiousness with Favreau, so now that I have IMDb open, they have mm-hmm. they have summaries already. Whether those are accurate or not? Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you never know, right? But I will say that it's interesting that they they did a very Star Warsy Disney ish thing where nobody died. You know, they he didn't kill anyone. Yeah, that was a little, a little unexpected. But. And, and that's something some people who are a little disappointed in what this is, is that he's not like a a bad guy at all. Like he's not even right. he's not even close. He's more becoming more and more paladin like every day. Yeah, yeah. Which I get. Well, the the Mandalorian are more kind of mercenaries, aren't they? They're mercenaries. Kind of like, I mean, yeah. I kept I kept thinking in. Like uh, all through the episodes, that this was good should be fine for him. Like he's gonna take a job with the crew that's all scum, and that's what you know, man, mercenaries generally are. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. It, it, this can't be the first time he's had to make these decisions. If he's got the reputation he's got, then how know. about how about the uh, the shoot first, ask questions later, uh, New Republic, um, X wings. Oh yeah, I was right. They how, just like, how did you like that? Blow them up. They didn't even. They're just like tra- yep, transponders there. Blow it up, right? Like a, a whole a whole station full of people, right? I was. Made Although, no I mean, I guess the rebels are known for blowing up stations. That's you know on right. brand. You know what? If if this is a, a experimental way for Disney to say, hey, what happens if we give uh, different writers and directors Star Wars? What would they do? Then mm. maybe this is a good example of what they could expect, right? Sure. Which is kind of their their thing. Recently, Kathleen Kennedy had said that uh, just recently. That they, she wants to go to stop doing trilogies with the Star Wars thing. Sure. She, and she, the way it, she didn't say it in so many words, but the way it felt is kind of the Marvel approach where each movie is their own standalone story and may tie into other things. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a, I was looking, one day we were talking about trilogies because uh, I think Fox or somebody else asked, like, what's, what's, you know, best trilogy? And I was looking for a term for what you call a trilogy that's four movies, something like uh, Indiana Jones mm. or or something like that. And I couldn't I didn't find that. What I did find was um, a term they call two part trilogies. OK, it's where um, they make one movie and it does so well that they turn it into a trilogy, which right. I think is very common like yeah. especially in the well-known sure. things like star wars a new hope is is one story like it it completely stands alone it's part of its success you know it's just one self-contained story everything start to finish it's all it's all there it didn't become an ongoing trilogy until empire right um the same the same is sort of true of something like Back to the Future, though. Oh, totally. Um, Back Although to the Future. Leave it at the end, right? It's it's there's a hook where there's like hook. you could you could do a sequel if it if it works well. So that's a that's a little different. You can usually tell by if there's a if there's a decent gap uh, between the first and second film. Like Lord of the Rings was always going to be a trilogy. It was three books. Like the, the was story is a trilogy already, thing, right? Um. It's one story in three books, but right, right. Um, and that's yeah, the biggest thing is, that, that I, mean, I for my is. for my take, I think a trilogy is actually a a story over told over three movies. Sure, and, and I would not necessarily say things like I know our buddy Fox had said that uh, Back to the Future is the best trilogy, and I never saw that as a trilogy. I saw that as three individual or four. I can't remember how they are individual movies just three they're three movies yeah they're and that's they just are their own stories their own plots they don't really you know they're just their own thing right uh so but star wars the original trilogy is one story type thing can't just go into one and not watch the rest well unless it's the first one unless it's the right actually the first one is all of that one uh, so speaking of Star Wars, we have uh, the, the movie coming out this this Thursday. You're, you got tickets, right? Um, not in advance. I don't know if I can do that at this Ooh. theater. 
Might want, oh, they don't sell them in advance. So you got to like stand in line like old school days, huh? I should check that because I think that I've done it before. Oh. Well, I definitely have. I got 730 tickets. I know uh, our buddy Pat has those tickets. And some other of our friends have dropped the ball and are going to the loser 8 o'clock show. <laughs> so, yeah, second um, best. Yeah, so we'll... We'll talk about this when we do when we do our movie, but if I don't um if I don't get we'll just we'll just not do I was gonna kind of pick a backup movie we can watch <laughs> if I end up not getting tickets. Because if I get tickets, we'll just talk about Rise of Skywalker. We don't need to do a challenge since we're gonna record. Well we we can always spend two weeks early. on one of our long movies. Yeah, so I mean we're gonna start uh the Lord of the Rings trilogy um, in our in our movie challenge. That's one square on this challenge, right, which, so which is watch... about two weeks long to watch. <laughs> right, we're going to watch that over the holidays and then uh, and then right, come okay. back with that. So, well, the, um, so so the, yeah, this this weekend, I, I I am. It's interesting. I am happy for the this next movie because I like mm-hmm. Star Wars movies, and they are you know another visit. To one of my favorite places to go, Star Wars universe, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of the same way I feel about the Star Trek movies. It's like I get another chance to see the, a Star Trek ships or you know phasers, and then for the to beam people, you know. But I, but I, it, it may be good or it may not be bad. Good, you know. Star Wars. Af- I gave it the worst insult I could give Episode Eight, which was when it was over. I didn't really care to watch another Star Wars movie which was the first time in history, you know? And so here I am getting another star Wars movie and I'm like, well, okay. I didn't care for the last one and it didn't leave me any real care for the characters or the story. And I don't really care. Right. Like, I don't know what's going to happen to Ray, but I don't really care. Right. Yeah. I mean, do, do you really have like, some high angst about what's going to go on with yeah who uh the bad guy like do we really care (laughs) right i mean yeah i mean i don't i don't want to get into last jedi again but in terms of ongoing story um i mean so much of what was established or challenged was either undone or i just it's just not not interesting to me. Like, I wonder what they're going to do with the Leia character now that Carrie Fisher is no longer with us. Right. But, like, some really interesting stuff happened between Ray and, and, and Kylo, and then he just leaves. It's back to status quo, which is right. kind of a bummer. Like, that. Or she leaves. She actually leaves, remember? Yeah. Yeah, because it's hard to remember, but the, but she's like, he's like, come come to me, and we'll rule the galaxy, like father and son type thing. Uh, and she's right. like, no, and then they they explode, auto explode the lightsaber, and then knock them both out, and he wakes up, and she's gone. Yeah, yeah, and then she's like, I can now wield mountainous rocks with my thought powers. Mm, so yeah, I don't. Let's right. not get into that. <laughs> right. Well, I get the, the point was is that there was there's nothing unresolved. Ryan Johnson wrote the last one as like all questions are answered, and we don't anything that was a mildly interesting question has been answered as like there is no answer. 
type thing. Right. So so the re- the point for episode nine is there is no point. I don't unless JJ and I guess this is the only thing I don't have hope for it, but I the only thing that could be fun and interesting is if he does maybe walk back some stuff or he says, uh, okay, let's just skip over that middle one and answer the question one and make it a full trilogy. Right? Like right. if you watch this in context, and you and I talked about this when we were talking about episode eight, we said, you know, maybe we're just not seeing the big picture on this because we're in the middle of it and episode eight will feel okay once we get nine. Yeah. You know, and maybe that's a reason to kind of watch this. And, and I mean, there's a reason to, I'm going to watch it, but I mean, to get excited about it, I guess, is that maybe it can tie everything together where you're like, oh, okay, cool. There's an arc here. There's a story. Think, you know. I mean, I'm sure that people felt kind of bad at, after the end of Empire. So I can well, see that. Well, but Empire really left us. It left us with Han and Kryptonite and Luke's father was just revealed as Darth Vader. And right. You know, Luke lost his arm and now has a robot arm and they're going to go find, you know, Lando Calrissian is leaving with Chewie and the Falcon to go find Han Solo. Uh, all of that was like huge questions like, oh, my God, I need to watch the next one because I have no idea what's going to happen. Oh, I see what you're saying. Right. This one was like nothing was left to <laughs> care about. So, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's going to happen. And, you know, we'll see. I, I do not have high expectations. Right. And and maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. It'll it'll be what it is and hopefully we will enjoy it more than Last Jedi. We'll say it that yeah. way. Yeah. Well well it's a, they make a big deal about it being the end of the Skywalker story, right? Like I didn't you kind of feel that the end of the Skywalker story was episode like what, six? Right? Isn't that um, the end of the Skywalker story? Maybe. I mean yeah, at the time, but since episode seven, we're like, oh yeah, here's one last, one last adventure for our our favorite heroes. They were supposed to be a Han movie, a, a Luke movie, and a Leia movie, except they can't make the third one a Leia movie without Carrie Fisher. So, oh, I see what you're saying for those. Yeah, I guess, and they, they, yeah, I guess it would be a Leia movie if you're if you're thinking of it that way. I guess, but. I read uh, that somewhere. I'm not making that up. Okay. No, I I believe you. I, I I guess I didn't. I just didn't see that as a because you're right. I guess it does have an ending to Han. And it does have an ending to Luke. So maybe that maybe that was the overall theme of that. So yeah, I guess that's true. But the the pl- whole plot and story of the main these three movies don't seem to have really anything to do with the Skywalkers. Kylo Ren's not even a Skywalker. Oh yeah, I see what you're saying. Right. I mean, he kind of is. He's a, I don't know. Anyway, he's a solo. Uh, so we got, okay, so that's that's that. Hey, you want to talk about our weekly movie? Sure. So this week we watched the French film from 2001, Amélie. Yeah, Amélie. Is it Amélie? Yeah, it's right, Amélie. Um, I think it's kind of like Amélie. Amélie? Okay. I'm sure, you know, I'm nowhere near correct French pronunciation. uh, (laughs) Right. Yeah, this is, this is a weird one. Uh, Do you want to do spoiler barrel? Spoiler barrel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we are going to talk about the 2001 film, Amélie, and we are going full spoilers on the ending and various twists and turns. 
Okay, so I got a question. We've known each other well now, and <laughs> we, we've talked a lot about uh, movies and these kind of movies and stuff. Where do you think I land on this? This is one of those. There are some some weeks where I watch something and I really enjoy it, and I go, uh, "I'll bet Mike wasn't crazy about this." And then there are other times where I I think that while I'm watching it, and then when we get to actually talking about it, you actually do like it. Um, <laughs> you know, all over the place from you know, especially especially older movies. Um, you know, if it's something. If it's something iconic from the 80s, like I'm pretty much guaranteed <laughs> that it's a thing you're going to like, you know, if it's <laughs> That's right. something Spielberg thing, made, yeah. uh, <laughs> then it's going to be a good win, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and if it's, if it's not, you know, like, um, the particularly, uh, the unexpected surprising ones are like Psycho versus Breakfast at Tiffany's, uh, <laughs> for, for example. So, um, so this one is none of those. Yeah, so this one, I think, full disclosure, I mean, I've seen this before years ago. And I had never seen this. This is my first go. I watched it at a time of day where somewhere, somewhere like toward the end of the second act, um, I started to have a hard time not staying awake, but just staying focused. Like, it's very, um, there's a lot of visual storytelling and then a lot of narration yeah um and so you really have to be paying attention but there are a lot of things that are just um i'm gonna say artsy for lack of a for sure lack of a better word so in in that respect if i had to guess um i i don't think i don't think that you fully disliked it but i think that i would i would be surprised if you fully liked it let me say it that ah, way. Okay. Well, I fully liked it. <laughs> ah. I, I really did. I mean, I it liked really, it a whole lot. It yeah. really, really sticks the landing. Yeah. I mean, it does. And and it has this, like, what am I watching for the first, you know, right. 30 minutes? <laughs> and, and, and yeah. And I'm not sure what what's happening here, and and what is, and then all of a sudden, and the writer is and director is very overt about it. Like they're they're letting you know that this is a. I'm gonna keep saying this word a lot in this review ish is quirky that we are doing a quirky mm-hmm. thing here, and I'm gonna load it up front that everything we're doing here is odd and different. Yeah, you just yeah. realize that. Um, this is Jean Pierre Junet. Okay, probably butchering that sorry if we have french speaking listeners um he he has done a lot of these but i remember seeing quite a few in the in the early mid 2000s um and honestly i i think i've only seen one other one where i was with with a group of friends and we're like yeah let's watch this i think maybe city of lost children Mm. Uh, which is, you know, it, it's the classic, classic thing where a director has a, a stable of actors that they like to, they like to use. So oh, you yes, see sir. the same people. Um, yeah. And so just to, just to walk back my, <laughs> my prediction a little bit, now that you say that, now that I think about the end of the movie again, um, almost everything about the ending is so positive 
and right and cheerful. And like me, it, right? I love it. it. It takes you through the film. Takes you through a lot of not necessarily dark, but kind of melancholy kind yeah. of settings and experiences and characters. And you're like, oh, there's this, and there's her, her mom died. Like a lot of that is early, you know, where mm-hmm, her mm-hmm. mom dies and her relationship with her dad is, you know freaking tragic and you know then he's he's on his own but he's kind of he's kind of checked out and this and that and you know um all of this kind of stuff but then it it starts to wrap together all of these threads all of these various stories like i'm thinking about the garden gnome and the the photo booth guy and those those stories start to get tied up and then you get, you know, you get the final, final conclusion that this is, uh, it's a, it's a romance movie. It's a love story, but it's unlike anything, at least anything I know of. Right, right. I mean, it's definitely a romance story and it's For, yeah quirky romance. Mm-hmm. The, uh, Again, I hate repeating the word quirky, but I mean, she is there. Then that's kind of the point of a lot of this that, you know, they find the two quirky people. And even though that's kind of it, it is the point, but it's not the point. I actually think the point of the whole movie is that um, when they talk about her life kind of changing when she finds that box and you right. know every, everything changed. and that's actually a big turning point in the whole movie. I think the whole movie shifts at that point when mm-hmm. she she finds out that she does a good deed for somebody anonymously and it is a good positive thing for the world. Everything changes. She becomes yeah. this, this force for good, but not in a, a very overt movie style way. You would think that, well, I guess it kind of is movie style, but not where you're like, Oh, I'm going to go out and start saving the planet and doing this and helping everyone. You know, she grabs a blind person and starts describing the world to him and then just mm-hmm. walks away. <laughs> like and and the director does this shot where he like glows really brightly, mm-hmm. um, and I I, I all of it kind of came together without the through the whole thing. The writing was really nice, the acting was really great, and then the cinematography and directing was so good. Like yeah, it's um, uh, so people sometimes use the expression art house yeah, film, sure, where you think. You know, I like to use the word art very broadly to mm-hmm. just refer to almost any creative work. Sure. Um, and movies are are difficult because there are so many people involved, right? You've got the right. writer and the director. They're not always the same person. You've got the producer who, you know, has influence. And you've got the actors bringing their own thing depending on what lines they're given to say and what direction they're given by the director. Um, but I think in the, in the sense of like, a piece coming together, a movie coming together with all of those pieces, the way, I mean, and so much, of, so many of those elements in this, the, the acting, the writing, the cinematography are, I'm going to say unique, but at the very least unusual, mm-hmm. but and because all of that, done, it makes it a shared kind of thing, right? It makes it all unusual. Yeah. It's sort of, you're, you're doing this and you're, you're in, like the audience the the viewer is is almost always like a co-conspirator or a you know like you're able to sympathize to an extent 
with um, Amelie because of the things, you know, when she gets the um, she gets the two characters together in the cafe and they go in the bathroom and um, <laughs> right, yeah, uh, that like you see the like her awkward reaction because you were kind of uncomfortable watching it. And um, I mean, I don't, that's a thing I don't want to, I don't want to dwell on uh, for too long, but this movie is very casual about sex and nudity. Well, I think the French culture is right. And that's, that's the only point I want to make with that is it's not when, when I'm going to generalize our entire culture, right, (laughs) right, right now, but especially at this time, 2001, things are a little bit different now in a in a post Game of Thrones world. But <laughs> when when American filmmakers and there's probably some of this in Britain, though, not as much, but especially in Amer- American filmmakers, when they use nudity, it's or or sex, it's very overt. It's very intentional. Yeah, it's, right. It's, it's tied like, up in a ton of emotions, and it's this, like we're going to do this, and it's here, and it's a and it's a shock. It's a big, strong, you know, statement of some kind. Where, um, this movie was much more just like, yeah, this there this progressive stop motion photos of a of a pregnancy, and you don't see the head, but the woman is is topless. Yeah. Um, I mean, or, I mean, with with the French culture in general, they they, and I'm generalizing a whole culture here. You know, mm. sex is a different kind of thing. We have it tie it to a lot of different things than what they tie it to, and right. like the the idea of in this movie uh, of two people falling in love, it's actually shown by the fact when they have sex. Okay, now they're in love, right? right. It's, it's 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 one of those things like well, you have to have sex, and once you have sex, then you're in love. <laughs> right and that's just right. that is again a it's, french culture it's just it's part of the happening. part of the natural the natural progression when she's imagining and they do that montage of of people having sex and she's counting the orgasms um we probably should have put a content warning before this <laughs> true yeah. um some of those people are 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 naked because of course they are right yes. it's just it's just that it's not it's not making a statement it's not shock value it's just normal it's just normal. Yeah. Um, um, but so, so we, moving back to this little quirkiness of this, this film the, mm-hmm. the I, I noticed that several, when you said like the director and the writing and the cinematographer are all doing art housey quirky things, it makes the whole movie that way. It's like a, a, it feels like a shared vision between all the whole team. It's like, we, we have to convey the oddness of what's happening here with these people and who they are with odd shots. Like, down on the ground on the floor or right straight up, you know, panning straight down instead. And then it just really has some neat shots that are cool and interesting. And then they do little weird effects, you know? Uh, so all of the characters are quirky and you think of them as odd. Mm-hmm. And then as you learn a little bit about them and she does her kind of good de- deed for them in the world, I, I absolutely loved how, the good deed was different than what you might think. Well, something I observed toward the end is that after, aside from walking with the blind person, mm-hmm. um, and maybe, you know, finding the guy and giving his, uh, giving his box of memories back. Um, 
so so much of this was based around some level of deception. Now, deception sure. is an inherently negative word, but the thing that she does with the two people in the in the cafe mm-hmm. is I mean, it's a deception. Yeah. Like she, she doesn't she know leads them to believe that they're they But like each but other. you know what the older woman says, you know, the formula for love is is super simple. Like you tell each person that the other um w- you know wants them and then just wait. Right. And, Two regulars and that are always here, always in each other's Yeah, and that's what she does and that's what happens. Yeah. Um and and the woman the, whose husband is got the letter and stuff. That's another deception. Right. She she makes she makes up this fake letter. And because I had seen this years ago, the details of it came back to me as I watched it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like she's doing the thing. And I'm like, is this that movie with the photo booths? And is this <laughs> the movie with the garden gnome? What happens with the garden gnome? Right. And there it's were a whole s- bunch of little things. Right. So many of those. This is a thing that I do because while I do pay very close attention to details i often miss like foreshadowy things because i'm i'm very rarely trying to like figure the movie out mm-hmm. right like if i'm watching a a mystery or or something like i'm i'm only sort of invested in the reveal right like i'm not right. trying to figure it out what the subtext and the foreshadowing is but um stuff would come back to me like she does the whole thing with the gnome, her her dad's, her father's yeah. garden gnome. Which is fantastic. And, and I'm like, how did she do this? Did she, like, write a letter? <laughs> did they explain how that happens? And then they come back with the uh, the flight attendant. They call it air stewardess or something. I don't know right, some yeah. of the subtitles. But, um, and then the, when they did that and she's like, my friends call me Snow White. I'm like, oh, of course. Her, one of her friends is a flight attendant. So she gave yeah. her the gnome and said, take pictures take it of it when you, yeah. when you go to these cities. and Which, um, again, it was so unexpected. I think some of the things that was good that I liked was that there wasn't, there was definitely, like you said, foreshadowing, but it was, none of the foreshadowing felt like a setup. It, mm-hmm. it, like, there's the guy in the cafe who is always kind of a creep over his ex-girlfriend and watching her. <laughs> you, you wouldn't think that that's a setup to help him fall in love and the other girl to fall in love. And you wouldn't think that the setup of this weird guy who is taking picture, pieces of pictures is a setup for a love interest. You no. Know? Or, or you don't think that, you know, when this woman tells about her, her husband, you know, leaving her for another woman, that that's a setup so that she, Amelie, can help her. Like, none of that feels like it's supposed to be a point of the show. Well, and something... Something I observed at some point um, is that the the love interest, um, uh, Nino. Neo. N- Nino. I'm not going to try and pronounce his last name. <laughs> Quincampois. I just said I wasn't going to do that. Um, they don't, they, they meet at the very end. Like they have little to no dialogue. Right. I mean, and right? it's intentional, right? What yeah, I thought a- that was one of the best loving scenes, or I'd say, what would I say? Loving, I'd say intimate scenes mm-hmm. that I've seen in any of these movies we've watched so far. And it was done without any words. It was very beautiful. 
with just little kisses. Right. I thought because that was the the, the French the French have something like something like a dozen different words for kiss that all of which we translate to kiss, which is very right. very French. But um, wait, do they have a word for French kiss? I'm sure they do, and I'm sure it's not <laughs> French kiss. It's like the difference between um, the like greeting kiss, the kiss on both cheeks that yes. like um, some Europeans, French and Italian kind of cultures do, um, mm-hmm. things like that. But right. um, part of that no dialogue point that I'm making is that they have something that you might call a shared interest, right? Mm-hmm. Because she she chases him, she gets his book and then she looks at it and she has the same kind of, or maybe not same kind of, but she has a significant emotional reaction and fascination with this book. The same way he does or with the The, whole thing he's doing right with the whole concept. She's like, Oh, he's going and he's collecting these things. Like what are all of these stories? Who are these people like they go and they get an ID, they take an ID photo and they don't like it and they tear it up. Why didn't they like it? Was it here? Was it here? And then it, part of it is a puzzle, right? To like put them back mm-hmm. together. And then there's this guy and it's the same guy. And he's the so pictures, good. the picture's fine. He's taking the same picture over. I don't know who is this. It's this mystery. And she's fascinated by it the same way that he is. And so she orchestrates this whole thing. Like she figures it out and then she leaves him a trail of breadcrumbs so that he can figure it out. And then it's like, Oh well, the mystery was was kind of mundane, but it now, was still amazing, right? They both were like, like super elated at it. Yeah, with no with no direct interaction, they've just had a huge amount of emotional interaction, right? Um, to confirm their, uh, let's say, compatibility. Yeah, I think compatibility is a really good thing there. I mean, that's what makes it such a beautiful love story is that. They are compatible just because of everything they do is cr- so crazy and quirky. And I think the porn shop lady mentions that like dreamer, she calls him a dreamer, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that they, you know, several times she'll in her head say, well, he's figured me out. Now he's going to, you know, lick his finger and he's going to put it in the sugar and then he's going to slowly <laughs> turn around and see me. And he does those things yeah, you know, because they are just they're in, they know they're the same kind of person. I guess, it, you know what? Maybe this is just like a play on soulmates type thing. Yeah, that's actually the word I was thinking of as you're describing that. Right. It's like, instead of, by complete contrast, um, I I was, I had the house to myself yesterday because Sarah took my parents to the airport and I had to kind of stay on the main floor to take care of the dogs. And so I just put on um, one of the Hallmark Christmas movies, um, with uh with Lacey Chabert from uh Mean Girls. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's 90 minutes TV PG or maybe even G where like she's the job in the city and she comes home to help her parents <laughs> plan a sure. fundraiser thing and she meets a guy it's Pride Prejudice and Mistletoe, which is so dumb. Right. And the the but the names are reversed like her name is Darcy and his name is is Bennett. Um <laughs> And they they fall in, you know, they're like old high school friends, like debate team rivals. And they fall in love through a bunch of like cheesy dialogue and he's a chef and uh, and right. all of this stuff. And it's just like 
let's walk down this this well-trod path of cliches, uh, you know, and and well-understood dialogue. Like they keep finding themselves under mistletoe. That's the mistletoe part of it. Yeah, and they don't they don't kiss until the third time in the the third act, and it's like the complete opposite of this, where the the things that make these two characters um, work and and be I'll just stick with soulmates mm-hmm. are are so much subtler and so much deeper than than any of those cliches. Yeah, it it felt it felt really good watching it. I mean, it's one of the, my criteria I think for a good mo- movie for me is that I have moments of feeling good. Like I when they got together and again that tender kiss moment, it felt so good that they both got to share this beautiful moment. And that both, I felt like both of them, I were so happy for them, right? It's yeah. like uh, Amelie is so sweet and pretty and kind and different and quirky. And he is looked at, probably seen by everyone in the world as this oddball, but he's a you know nice guy who is a dreamer and just like her. And, you're mm-hmm. like, and when they have that moment where they connect and even the, the whole outro type thing, it's like you just feel joy. Right. At this kind of thing. And and I like that. I I like that. I don't have to worry about, well, is her father a cocaine user and was she beat (laughs) or was she left alone to what is society's role? And, you know, I just didn't have to. It was just well. And on on top of that, even if that um, um, conclusion doesn't quite do it for you, everything works out for everybody else. Right. Mm -hmm. The the kid, the quote unquote slow kid at the at the um the market is painting with uh with the glass man mm-hmm. and he um you know he's painting a different painting than the um the breakfast renoir yeah that he's yeah. that he's painted 50 copies of right. um you know her dad is gonna go travel That's so um, good, right? the 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 box of memories guy is reconnecting with his with his son and his grandson, like everything's, everything's wrapped up in a, in a like positive, I'm going to say emotionally uplifting. I kind of hate that right. I said that, but <laughs> it was well, except for the couple in the coffee shop. Maybe that's about the, only yeah. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> the, so, right. so, you know, not everything's perfect, but it's, it's actually <clears throat> pretty great. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a sore throat, but um, it's, it's fitting that on the on the same because I watched them both yesterday that and, yeah, and the right. Hallmark movie the Hallmark movie is is trying to fit I mean it, not trying it's it's right in that space of like everything's great positive like even the conflicts are not really that serious it's just to make things a little bit interesting so that you can get to the conclusion and everything's pretty fine the whole way like there's no it's positive in the sense that there's almost no negative um where this starts out so negative and goes through this weird path through all these mm-hmm. all these various stories to get to a very positive ending which is yeah great. the she she uh the the difference between those kind of things with the Hallmark movie and then this one romance stuff is that one is clearly feels in all those Hallmark movies feels like a forced predictable thing whereas this one felt like two interesting good 
wholesome-ish kind of people who you feel like almost like gravity, like a force of nature that that should be together and you just want it to happen because it's so natural. Whereas the other ones feel like we're going to show you how this should work, right? right. We're going to show you how, how love happens in a situation where we, you know, X, Y, or Z happens through it's, the formula that we all know. Yeah. The, the thing people say about those movies is that there are no surprises. Right. Like, like we're all on the same page. This is what we're doing. Everything that we're following this formula very clearly. And, and this is, this is what this is. And what makes this movie also unique and not just all the things that we're describing is that it throws in random quirky uniqueness constantly with things mm-hmm. like she, you know, you'll sit there and she's like, well, it's four ten. There's only two reasons why she can think that he would have missed. It's because he didn't get the message or like he was kidnapped on a bank robbing spree and whole story. And she can't possibly have any respect for somebody who wears a a hat, like a tea cozy or something. A hat like a tea cozy and is going to eat borscht all day. Yeah. Every day. It just, it just randomly will go onto a a two minute tangent and you're like, what was that? What, what just happened? You know? And when it does the, uh, Oh, and here's the, the, the guy that you're never going to hear about before, but he likes to eat the gizzard out of chickens and he likes this other weird thing, but hates that thing. And you're like, what, what is this? What are they doing? Just randomly doing these. Right. Kind of- oh, that's what it was. I knew that. I knew that there was something that the box guy was doing when he got, he's, he's, taking apart the chicken with his grandson yeah right and he's giving him the gizzard in the, in the end at the end yeah he's yeah. he's sharing that or he, the, they call it the gizzard, thing that he yeah. that he likes and really i didn't think about that until we're describing it just now in the beginning when they're introducing the characters they introduce them that way yeah they dislike this this and this they like this this and this yeah and that sets up here here is what's going to bring these two people together are the things that they like and dislike the things they like and dislike. Right. Yeah. The, the, uh, um, the dad thing was so good and subtle. Again, everything Amelie did was subtle. She never overtly did something. She, it felt like that all the things she did were just little pushes. Right. And it started, I think with that, in that restaurant, when the, the lady said the thing you mentioned about just all you have to do is these two little things and it will happen. And I think yeah. every little good thing she did, she just did a little thing. She sent a video to the guy to the guy downstairs. She just, you know, wrote a piece of paper and let that be delivered to the lady. You know, mm-hmm. she just kind of nudged them a little bit, which is so good and unique. So, OK, well, I, I'm gushing about this movie, but <laughs> there, there was just so much, so much good in this. And this is, I think, one of the reasons why I'm so happy to be doing this, this movie bucket list thing, because there are. I know there's several more movies that you haven't seen on this that I have seen, but there's these little things like this city of God, some other stuff that I just had not seen before or may never would have seen. Yeah. Like for this uh, thing, like Marion max, Marion max, things like that. Um, that I just, I just would not have watched. No. Yeah. On my own. So let's, um, let's, let's go into final judgments. Um, right. I mean, for me, uh, if you've not seen this, it's definitely worth seeing. Like, I don't think it, I don't think it's important in the way that we talk about films being mm-hmm. significant, especially older films that were really influential, like Psycho yeah, or uh, like Vertigo or or Seven Samurai. Um, this is just like the the 
film, the catalog of film that is being made, that's being constantly added to, um, you know, Hallmark puts out two or three Christmas romance movies a year. Um, there are so many romance stories, love stories in the catalog of film. Um, I've never seen one like this. I, I agree. I agree. I, I would put this as a thing that you should watch because it is, it is a unique kind of thing. And it, this is the reason I watch, I enjoy movies. It really is. There's a lot of things you can say about special effects and Star Wars and Star Trek or whatever it might be. It's that when you go to a thing and you watch a film and it gives you an emotional feeling <laughs> to what you're seeing is a good movie. And I didn't cry or I didn't, you know, have like jump up and joy, but I had moments like, I think I, I know I had a smile at my face at the ending, you know, yeah. when a certain scene that we talked about earlier in the spoiler section happened, I was visibly smiling and I felt so good for some characters that ha something happened to the, the, like, the scene. I watched it. Oh, I, I, I we're in post, so I don't want to, yeah, but okay. the, 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 the scene with the box guy, um, caught me off guard because the the rest of the stuff I I sort of knew was going to happen. It was good, um, up up feeling, but the 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 box guy seemed it surprised me. I was like, oh yes, awesome. Oh, you know? and I won't spoil this because we're not in spoiler. But the scene with the the bad vegetable stand guy, all those scenes, the, were her awesome. like pr her like pranking him. Yes, was in so good. Really, like some subtle and some not so subtle ways. Like oh switching his switching his doorknob around that that was fantastic because i didn't know what what happened there and when he tries to keep opening that doorknob and i'm like oh i get it now that was fantastic right that's like you if you've ever experienced i mean it's like the um it's like some of the jim and dwight stuff in the office where like he adds nickels to his phone handset <laughs> a little bit every day and then suddenly takes them all out and he hits himself in the head with it because it's suddenly <laughs> so much lighter and uh yeah, that that kind of stuff where was like it the light bulbs. The, she takes the light bulbs and makes a different wattage in her, in the house, or just puts like um, like old ones that are that are kind of dying because they're you know still incandescent lights. <laughs> or yeah, it's like when I think it's we've so all ex we, we've all experienced that. Like I live in a house with people, so none of that surprises me. But you know, this guy is living alone, and like I. There's, you know, one bathroom in the house that I always use and the door is never closed unless there's somebody in there. And right. I went up there one time. I maybe had my phone in my hand or something. And I, I like walked right into that door because I, you know, I pushed <laughs> my arm like I'm going to go through and the door was closed. Nobody was in there. And I'm like, what's what's going on? It's just that, that kind of feeling, you know, it's, uh, it's, it was great. When, when he I don't think it's a spoiler, but when he plugs the light the lamp light in and he squeals when that thing happens like i think i think i had a moment of joy laughter real quick of like ah, yeah, that was great you know nice nice yeah I, I honestly i am happy to say that i would probably include this in my 100 list like a new movie that i've not seen and i would put this on this one happily and say yeah i would recommend this to anybody to watch uh for multiple reasons mm -hmm. and, and you're right it doesn't do anything like for the history of film or it's not like a notebook, which people would put as the best romance things, you know, but right. I think that it deserves to be watched 
in, you know, and deserves me to tell somebody else that you, you should watch this. It's worth your time the whole time. It's I mean, there are a lot of movies and, and many we've seen that are, you know, artistic, uh, let, let's say masterworks, masterpieces, mm-hmm. like all of the pieces come together and are done. All the parts of what make a movie are done excellently. Um, there are a lot of those that are just to a to a, a common film goer, a fan versus critic on that spectrum that we say yep. all the time. There are a lot of them that lean way too hard into the critic side so that a normal fan going to see them, you're like, what? What is this? Right. Or either that or they're just like, the ending is too is too dark or too, you know, somewhere, somewhere between realistic and depressing. It, it feels art house for art house sake. Right. Or, the, or that too. Um, yeah. like where, I think, I think that when I look at, at these kind of art house things, I can say, go watch Amelie and see art house type. Well, I'm using that a broad term art house sure. done really well, where it's not the main thing, but it's, it's an important part of the whole thing. And then go, go watch a little miss sunshine, which it feels like that the art house stuff is the point of the thing. I, I see. Yeah. 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 Right. And like, well, I'm not saying that little miss sunshine is bad, but it's clearly doing the things to do the things. <laughs> right. 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 Um, you could do it other ways without that. And it wouldn't be that even a movie, but this one, you, you can't take the art house out of it. It's no, like it's 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 telling a subtle, fairly complex story. Which yeah, yeah. So awesome, awesome. Now we're gonna we're gonna move into next two weeks with a difficult thing because I don't know how we're even gonna review this from an objective standpoint between the two of us. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, hard. Um, Lord of the Rings trilogy is what we're watching. It's next. it's been a long time since I've sat down and watched this. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched it a lot. Uh, yeah, as you said, we're talking about Peter Jackson's uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy. I saw these all in the theater. My dad bought the DVD extended edition box sets. Um, we watched a bunch of the making of, you know, features. They had mm-hmm. multiple commentary tracks. Our favorite was always the one with the actors. Um, because oh, yeah. they would they would tell funny stories or make jokes about Hidalgo whenever Viggo Mortensen <laughs> was on the screen. Right. Um, <laughs> it's great. And I mean, you know, probably some of the most, most interesting or thoughtful things we'll have to say is whether, whether different aspects of it hold up because it is right. a series that's almost 20 years old now. Yeah. I, th- I think that's one thing I'm going to, I'm going to try to keep an eye on when watching this one is, is that, you know, I may see, I mean, Sydney's going to be out of town, so I don't know if I'll be able to do it, but uh, try to watch some of this with Sydney. Don't know if it's possible, but to be able to see if it's a, you know, a, a thing that can be watched still. Um, I mean, I think it can be, but I don't know. It's been, a, it has been a while. This, this, ser- this show or series has, has been up there along with Star Wars as movies that I, or shows that I would put on at night to go to sleep and have on all the time. <laughs> right, so, right. So it's just always, it's just always on and words and quotes are ingrained in my mental head. So it's not going to be anything new. Um, uh, I also, I want to, I want to, I'm going to sit down and actually watch like at least a whole movie at a time and not try to do anything else while watching them because I want to, mm. I want to see if the emotional things are still there. <laughs> 
right? It, mm. I know when I, I watched and I actually watched a new hope this last week and I could, I was definitely firing off the one-liners, you know, I was still saying, you yeah. know, TK 427, TK 427. Why aren't you at your post? And, uh, <laughs> Just these things, you know, I, I kind of have a bit of an emotional thing, too. I love when Han Solo says, you know, uh, he's talking to the to the people. How was how your day? You know, everything's the, everything's fine down everything's here. Fine down here. How, 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 how are, are you? you? Yeah, I, I'm like, I catch I stuff them. like that and then go back in our in our Klingons and Dragons session. I'm like, oh, that's what they're quoting. That's not from Galaxy Quest. It's from <laughs> it's from this. Though the right. though the reverse will happen like you guys were doing something and you're like, are we going to be able to to just you know take the shuttle out of this uh out of this space station? And I'm like, well, maybe if the old man gets that tractor beam out of commission. <laughs> right. <laughs> so good. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like I I hear those things like that old man gets a tractor beam out of commission. And I, and I kind of still have an emotional reaction that like, I like that. I still feel that way. And when I want to watch this one in the next couple of weeks, I, I, I want to see if there's a, a couple of those. I, I'm a little worried. I'll admit that uh, the Frodo and the Rings thing may get a little, maybe a little difficult to, because I think the first time I watched it through or even more uh, Frodo's journey was a, such a heavy one that, mm. you know, it, it's, uh, I wonder if, watching it now several years later that it'll still have that emotional resonance where I'll just see the guy, you know, making weird faces. Right. So, so we'll, we'll see. Um, and, and Samwise, if Samwise was definitely when I watched it, the first time was a, uh, a hero, one of the biggest heroes to me and my, one of my most favorite characters throughout where he ended and where he began and all the whole thing. Oh yeah. Uh, I, it'll be interesting if I can get that same emotional feeling with him. So mm. I, I, I'm looking forward to it now that we're talking about it, but it's going to be weird for us to objectively. Okay. Uh, we also need to establish now before we begin, which version? Oh, crap, man. Uh, I mean, they're four hours for the extended yeah, editions. Yeah. I, I think I, I don't know if I said this on the air, but outside of the theater, I've only ever seen the extended editions. Okay. Um, this was, you know, my, I came by my geek nerd tendencies from my dad. Mm -hmm. Um, I got other things from mom, like my ability to sew and mm -hmm. some of those things. But, <laughs> you know, dad watched classic doctor who when we were kids yeah. and he, he read Lord of the Rings. And so when, we got to this, it was still, you know, as I said, I've said before, I was about 20 when these came out. And so I was still very much in that arrogant college age uh, uh, phase of, you know, the, the, the original is best, the source material is holy, and <laughs> whether or not you, you live, it's, you know, if you didn't this, you know, not not really understanding that you know, mediums are different. Like the story you tell in a movie is of necessity different from the story that you tell in a book because you have a visual medium. You don't have to explain everything with words. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, that just led into my, like, this is the real version and the theatrical version is the one they had to trim down to fit in the theater because they couldn't put a four hour movie in the theater. Oh, see, I, I agree with that. I'm like 90% agree with this one. I necessarily <laughs> wouldn't agree with that because the movies are very long and they didn't have that kind of, when I watched the three hour, three and a half hour movie of 
Return of the King, it it was a long movie. It felt like that they didn't leave anything on the cutting floor, which they absolutely did. Another you know, hour yeah, or whatever it yeah. was, you know. Uh, but they, it felt like they told there's, they let these people tell the whole story of whatever they wanted to tell. Um, I mean, I knew that wasn't truth cause I'd read the books, but, um, still I, I didn't feel that they were constrained by it being a movie. And honestly, and I think you may disagree with this. I think that the theatrical release release is the, the movie. I think that's the one that is mo- most succinctly tells the story that they wanted to show and when you watch the the commentaries for all the extra stuff, they give very valid reasons why they weren't. Yeah, you know. I, I know that people have done breakdowns of like, here are all the things that are different. Well, I've seen a couple. One is all the changes from the book, which ones are good and which ones are bad. Because right. coming from a perspective of what makes what makes a good movie, what makes a good story in movie form, yeah. not just you know, they cut this and that's a sin kind of attitude. Yeah. But which changes are good, which changes are bad because not all the changes are bad. And then also, you know, what they cut from the extended editions to make the theatrical release and which of that stuff was fine being cut and which of it really does help give more, give more of this story, different context, different, uh, um, whatever. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed a lot of the extras when they would have um, Peter Jackson's wife, who was the screenwriter on, on this one, mm-hmm. uh, on when she, they'd show her on set or they'd show her talking about the script or the stuff. I really enjoyed listening to her talk about things because mm-hmm. she because she would have such good insights and, and was intimately in love with the the story and the books and everything saw it as like she it felt like she was a historian of it but she was trying to get this in on a movie form in a real movie form and she's like well we have to do it this way and this is the best way to do that with this visual thing and they would say this instead of that and like i loved that i absolutely i know we're feels like we're talking about the movie but i (laughs) i I absolutely loved that 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 was a thing she did and that they did when they were on set and they would come back and they she talked to other historians like uh christopher lee who was a huge massive yeah one of the one of the biggest fans in the cast so so they would they would have those conversations and they would rewrite script parts and do things like Mm -hmm. it's 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 great so anyway i like the theatrical release because that is actually what they they wanted you to see I mean, Peter Jackson never said, um, this is my cut, really. You know what I mean? He had, this is my cut. The theater one you mm. I'm showing you is my movie. You know, I took the other things out because they did not work in the context of the movie. Now, as fans of Tolkien and the books, we love those things. You know, mm. Frodo seeing the elves. But does that matter? No. I, when he sees the elves in the Shire type thing. Right. And it, and it just kind of clutters up the what's happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? All right. So what do you... So I do suggest the theatrical ones, but I will watch the extended one because if you feel that's the more complete version, because I do... It's I do hard like to say, like, you know, in, in sense of, like, having something interesting to talk about on the show, it could be... True. It could be interesting to see the addition, the, you know, the the edit that I've not seen in 
almost 20 years. Mm, um, right. But if I watch it with any of my family, which we're still trying to <laughs> trying to pin down uh, Christmas plans, I'm probably going to catch a little heat if we if we try to watch <laughs> the. Uh, but I that's I also, funny. I, I like that. You that's know, good. they'll be like, "What are we? What are we watching this? You know, this whatever not, version, not of, the real one." That that's something that I, I heard once. Heard about um, movies and director. A lot of directors say is that they really did not like the term. Directors don't like the term director's cut because that is their cut. They're like the director's cut is what you get there. We we you know we made a movie and then we go in the editing room and say, you know, nothing gets on the floor without them saying it. You know, and they they always have. We wish we could have fit this in. We wish this would have happened, but it would well, have made the it, movie less. You know? Yeah, because they get. You know, that's the whole the whole idea with deleted scenes. Like sometimes there are things that don't work with audiences. Sometimes they have to they have to get it to a certain length. That's more common in um, in television than film, mm-hmm. but still in in film, like you. You know, if you go significantly over, you know, the 120 minute mark, you know, you have to you better have a good reason. Yeah. Um, And of course, even the theatrical versions of these of these movies are are quite long. Yeah. Yeah, Um, they they, they really are. And and I I know I've seen I'm trying to think of one that I that I I, maybe some stupid thing like Predator or something like that, where the the director was I remember on the thing was like, yeah, no, I. I love this scene and, and this really explains a backstory that we don't get to talk about in the movie, but it doesn't matter. Like when we, t- when I took it out, I realized that it doesn't, it didn't affect the story at all. The whole, mm-hmm. the movie at all. Right. It, it, you got everything you needed to know by an offhanded reference from another character when he said it earlier. And you're like, Oh yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I really enjoyed this extra exposition about the cousin and the whatever, but you know, it's not important, right? The important thing is the that the ring rates are after from. Right, right, right. All right, we'll we'll try the we'll try the theatrical release just <laughs> just for the sense of like uh, the 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 concept of a bucket list and like if somebody's never seen it and if they've That's never true. seen it, they're probably not already a Tolkien fan. Yeah, if they are, they've probably already seen it and they probably watched the extended. But yeah, if you're if you're coming to it fresh, maybe start with this one. Save at least an hour of stuff that might just be fan service for book readers. And, and you might tell uh, if you but... really did like it, then, then maybe this is a good incentive to go back and then talk about that. And, and also, as a side note, uh, I don't think we necessarily have to watch one or the other. You could watch the extended one and just you just have to really take note of what is not included. Right. And then we could talk about that afterwards and say, well, these are the scenes and this is what it did. Right. Right. We could talk about that kind of as a separate thing, which, by the way, I know the discs that I have. You can just watch those scenes. So oh, really? Is, yeah. So, I mean, you can see like the deleted scenes and stuff and, and see those, mm. things, which is, you know, because you can also buy the the full unedited version, too. Right. I think I have those. But... OK, cool. Lord of the Rings. That's uh, we've always been saying it's going to be a big project. So let's, <laughs> yeah, it and it'll be, episodes. it'll be at least two, ep- two show two podcast episodes before we we talk about that because we're going to record again this mm-hmm. week or l- last week when you hear this, 
uh, right after we see Rise of Skywalker. So we'll have the hottest of takes uh, on 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 that on that movie. Right. Awesome. Awesome, man. All right. Cool. Um, one last thing. This probably won't be next week, but in a in a couple weeks, um, I just watched the finale of uh, Silicon Valley, the HBO series. Oh yeah, okay, I gotta watch that. If you, I think you said you have just the last season, just the last season, right. still to catch up on. So, right. if you if you watch that when you have time, then when you're when you're done, we can talk about that series as a whole. Whether it yeah, as, that's, that's as cool. sort of tech, I mean, not sort of. We're both. We both yeah. work in IT, but not right. anywhere near that world of not a, not an app design of company. Silicon Valley, yeah. you know, investors startup. and yeah, and yeah that, that movie's and all of that more stuff. about startups, kind of right. I mean, it starts as I called it a movie that series. I I, I call <laughs> tech, I tech it startups. Start, yeah, it started as as a tech world thing, and now it's kind of become. I mean, the last at least the seasons that I saw last several seasons were mainly about startup companies in Silicon Valley, you know, and the company battles and what they have to do to start a business and run things and how they do stuff. And they're, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of that kind of stuff. Right. So, so but, yeah, I'm, 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 I, it'll be interesting to see how they, they wrap up the, the, the season. Can can I ask this? I know this is kind of a spoilerish thing, but do you feel that um, it did definitely had a wrap to the series or was it like they canceled them after it was over? Or Oh yeah. It's, it's definitely a like, we did this and the thing, and then of course they they bring back a lot of the a lot of the running the running jokes throughout the show with uh, Bigetti and uh, okay. Jin Yang and all of that stuff. Good, and it's a, it has a resolution, I guess is what I'm saying. Definitely, definitely. of some sort. Okay, cool, cool. All right, looking forward to that. Yep. All right. You've been listening to Front Porch. This is episode 121. I didn't increment my file name. I'll have to fix that. <laughs> Thanks as always to our friends over at Geek Scholars Movie News and LRM Online. If you like Star Trek role-playing or Star Trek role-playing, check out our other podcast, KlingonsDragons.com. It is not safe for work. It's a Star Trek Adventures role-playing podcast. We had a new episode two weeks ago, and there should be another one up by the time this episode airs. If you have questions or feedback on the show, tell us how much you loved Amelie. You can email us, frontporchpod at gmail.com. On our website, frontporchpodcast.com, we have contact forms. Uh, last week's episode had a bunch of show notes, which are really just a bunch of YouTube links because we talked about <laughs> all those trailers. Uh, we got the schedule for the 100 movies. That's vaguely accurate. Uh, if you enjoy the show, please uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks as always for joining us, and until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For the Front Porch. Night, everybody. See you next time.